When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Sports Day. Monty Bowles, head, gets a full ball, driving through the offside. Out to the boundary for four. And for the second time, Travis Head gets a century in his own backyard here at Adelaide Oval. A seventh overall. The first time since the World Test Championship final. And in consecutive test matches against the West Indies here at home, he raises his bat and celebrates three figures. He's a hero here. He's a hero around the country. As this career just keeps getting better and better. The lead 95. Joseph bowls again. Full ball and he's bowled! And there is five wickets on debut for Shamar Joseph. And the West Indians come from everywhere to celebrate with the youngster. What a performance. In the meantime, Hazelwood starts his way in. Played and edged and is he out first ball? Chanderpolius taken by Carey. Hazelwood to Brathwaite again, and he turns this, and it's gone! That short leg, a phenomenal catch! Head was right there. Around the wicket, bowls to Athenaeus, gets a hook shot, that one is out! He's tried to play it down to fine leg, he's fended it through to Carey. Australia has three, Hazelwood has three. This is disaster for the West Indies. It certainly was. Welcome to Sports Day. Julian DeStoop and Bryce McGain with you. It was a disaster from the moment Josh Hazelwood struck with the first ball of the innings and they've just struck as we go to air tonight with the last ball of the day, which turned out to be the last ball of the day. Nathan Lyon trapping Justin Greaves in front. So the West Indies 6 for 73 at stump, still 22 runs behind the Aussies after... Thanks to Travis Head, they posted 283 as I welcome Bryce McGain. It's been another... Amazing day. Some good work from the ball from the West Indies just completely ruined with the bat. Yeah, unfortunately, Jules. Uh, good afternoon to you. Uh, yeah, look, it was uh, afternoon, evening. It's probably yeah, evening. Yeah, evening's uh, the right terminology there. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, this is probably our worst fears at four for 19 with the West Indies. Their top order knocked over. Josh Hazelwood getting it done. And that was largely before Pat Cummins even got the ball in his hand. So uh, then the world's best bowler comes on. So, look, it, it is a real challenge for them. Uh, a bit of fight just then. Justin Greaves got 24, and uh, Joshua De Silva, he's overnight 17 night out. So there's a bit of fight late in the day. But, uh, look, they, even though Australia just have a, a marginal lead, um, yeah, they, they still trail by 22 and uh, running out of wickets. Travis Head, again, I noticed uh, in the call just after he made his 100, uh, Adam White did mention a fair point, I reckon, because, he, you know, he, he scores so quickly and he's such an exciting uh, batter to watch. But one of the sort of traits of his career at test level is making big runs when it, it's tough times. Yeah, And he again, does. he did that today. He does. And I think it really, the, the method in which he did it, he struck at 20, oh, sorry, 88 um, in terms of strike rate. So it just meant that, Every bad ball and over, he, hit, he hits a lot of boundaries. There are 12 of those and three sixes. But every over, there's a boundary. And then there's another boundary. And then suddenly it just escalates away. Even though Australia were in a bit of a pickle uh, when he came to the crease and were losing wickets, uh, a lot of the batters getting starts. But it probably indicates a bit about the wicket as well. There's, there's a bit there. Yeah. And it's not that easy. Um, you know, we can be critical about Steve Smith and maybe Cameron Green, mm. but there's a bit there. And... The West Indies bowlers can bowl good deliveries. And uh, one of those players that certainly did that, Shamar Joseph on debut. It's an amazing Five story, figures. isn't it? When you it's think of his backstory and then the way he's performed first up. It's amazing. And look, he did go at um, over four and a half and over. So he was, it was a four ball and over. And you kind of expect that. But he, mm. he bowls wicket-taking delivery. So Australia certainly need to be watching him. But uh, 
Well, it looks like the weekend will have minimal action no, in no, the test match. Good. Probably will be all over by lunch. Uh, tomorrow, if you want to get involved, talk anything about the cricket, the tennis, or anything in sport, Taron Thomas has been a big story the last uh, 24 hours. Jump on the Harcourt's open line, one 736 736 40 Wings Temper, 433 98 Big show coming up. We're going to speak to Alistair Dobson in the next five minutes or so, head of the BBL finals, which get underway tomorrow night. Mark Woodford as well. It's been an amazing day at the Australian Open. Uh, some some Big five-set matches, a couple of upsets as well. So it's been a great day at the Australian. I'm just going back to Australia's performance. I mean, we're having a great summer again. We've, we've won the three tests against Pakistan. We're going to win this test match and be short odds to win the next. But as a collective batting unit, haven't been at our best, have we? Not going great with the bat. No, it's not completely dominant with the bat. It's dominant with the ball, mm. and the bowlers have certainly uh, backed up the batters uh, in, in in some respects. It's probably a little bit of credit to our opposition that have, yep. have bowled pretty well. A lot of teams come to Australia and get a bit excited. There's pace and bounce and carry and start bowling a bit short and, and all those types of things. But uh, both teams have been pretty disciplined. Mm. And, you know, you hope the West Indies learn from each of their spells that they've bowled just as, as much as the Pakistanis did because they got better and better and better till it became a very well-contested final test up in Sydney. So hopefully um, as they head up to the Gabba, um, they can continue to to grow and develop. We spoke about Josh Hazelwood last night, just saying, you know, Pat Cummins is getting all the plaudits, but Josh is bowling amazingly well all summer. And, uh, well, you think about what happened in Sydney and the, the second innings here. He's, he's now getting the rewards for bowling beautifully. Yeah, he is. And uh, it, it he hasn't missed the mark at all, and often it's just literally the doesn't wicked. miss yeah. the mark. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, you're right, Jules. And yeah, he, he's getting the reward in terms of the wickets now, and uh, it's just reward past his 250th Test wicket, um, and the last of those to uh, to do that of the current group. Um, but uh, look, he's uh, he deserves every bit of it. We often think that he's been injury maligned, but. Um, he spoke a little bit this morning uh, before the before the test. I heard the boys yeah. catching up with him, and uh, he, he pointed out that yeah, it's only a little bit that he hasn't bowled uh, throughout the time, and he's probably just missed key test matches that make mm. us think that he's yeah, that's right. missed yeah. a lot more cricket than he actually has. Mm. Yeah, it's an amazing combination. Start, Cummins, and Hazel with what they've been able to do. Troy uh, from North Fitzroy has jumped on the hard courts. Open line, you can too. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Good evening, Troy. Hey, g'day, mate. How you going? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Um, mate, this is uh, uh, back in the ages. I can remember Daniel Kowalski. Well, back in the day, and he was doing the he was doing the Sunday night gig, wasn't he? Who, Daniel Kowalski, did you say? Yeah, uh, the, the singer. This, yeah, uh, vaguely remember. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, and uh, I can remember, and I was like one of the first ringers up there. And whatever, and I've just what you guys have done for me over the years. Just I'm a sports lover, and Olympic cult also. They're the river. Any chance I can get a gig tomorrow night? I will throw you back. Absolutely, absolutely, Troy. I know you've been a regular uh, contributor across uh, all the shows. And, uh, yeah, 20th birthday for SEN uh, tomorrow night uh, from 3 p.m. down at the Sporting Globe in Richmond. So, yeah, for sure, Troy, you've been a good caller and uh, you and a friend uh, come along. And uh, it's a big day tomorrow, celebrating the 20th year of the radio stage. You want to talk about the cricket as well, Troy? Sorry? You want to talk about the cricket as well? Oh, mate, how good is Hazel? (laughs) He's unbelievable. Uh, mate, uh, uh, everybody thinks he's uh, he's uh, thinks he's um, just a big player, but uh, he is grouse. Uh, well, I think he's better than that, isn't he, Bryce? As a, a bit player, I <laughs> Troy, mean, Troy, but sometimes he does fade in, into the background a little bit because Starks, you know, is brilliant at times, and Cummins is what he is. Yeah, he just he just keeps ticking along. He's the the, the steady as she goes player of that attack and uh, Nathan Lyon, well, he steps in and takes his wickets at times. And I think there's no fanfare with the way he talks to people as well. Josh Hazelwood is quite happy just to be in the background. That's how he goes about it, where maybe the other, well, we hear from Pat a lot because he's a captain and uh, and, and Stark has been the, the, the big player and the big moment player. But uh, no, he's a very important uh, cog in this incredible bowling attack. I can't remember who was telling me, someone that knows a bit about their cricket, that, that he's actually 
very influential in the Australian dressing room. Like just a like a really good leader, and when okay. he speaks, they listen. Where you know he looks like that mild mannered sort of yeah, not on the front foot sort of guy, but uh, apparently he does have a pretty strong influence in that dressing room. Well, that's that's good to hear. And mm. at the moment, the balance is working beautifully. They've had an incredible 2023, and well, it's starting pretty well 2024 as well. There's a World Cup to go and win. Uh, there's plenty of opportunity for the, this uh, Australian team now this year to continue their success. Absolutely. We'll turn our attention to the BBL uh, shortly when we speak to General Manager Alistair Dobson. Thanks to St- State Transport, our people are your solution. Just before we get stuck in Alistair about the, the tournament and the success that it's been, the four teams left in the finals. It felt like at the start of the tournament and the way they started, you know, Scorchers were probably a step ahead of the rest. Has it tightened back up? And can you make a case for for all four teams to win it? Or do you think there's a couple that stand out above the other two? Yeah, gen- generally, look, the, the Scorchers have been outstanding. Maybe a little vulnerable now with a few movements in their batting order. I think uh, having uh, Ashton Turner out, uh, it, of course, did his knee um, at the skipper. Um, Aaron Hardy's done a terrific job. So that's one loss. But then they lose uh, a few other players as well, particularly the international. Yeah, Laurie Evans. Laurie Evans. Evans. It, yeah. it makes a huge blow to them. The same thing's happened to the Heat. Um, but the steady as she goes team is the Sydney Sixers. But uh, they'll, they'll go up. They get a double chance. Of course, they went over to Perth. That's the toughest road trip there is. And they chased down a massive score and did well. They'll go full of confidence to, to Brisbane and take on the Heat, who are missing, um, obviously, Munro and Billings. Uh, two big losses out of there. But Renshaw does stay in that lineup. So, look, yeah, uh, it's it's hard answer. The, the batting team that's doing really well, the hot batting team of the strikers, yeah. that is for sure, led by Matt Short. He's been outstanding. I'm just not sure their bowling's mm. going to hold up, but you never know on their day. And all it takes in T20 is sometimes just one or two players to get the job done and get them over the line. So I hope they do from a strikers and Adelaide perspective, but uh, I, I think it's Perth Sixers. Mm. It's looking that way. They've been outstanding in that one, man. It would have Looking forward to the final series and would have enjoyed the tournament so far. Is the general manager of the BBL, Alistair Dobson, and joins us tonight. Uh, evening, Alistair. Yeah, good afternoon, guys. Great to chat. Uh, uh, just wondering, did you have a word with Pat Cummins and say, come on, if we win the toss bowl, let's knock this test over nice and early and give clean air to the Big Bash semifinals? That's pretty good by you. I wish I had that sort of control, but no, <laughs> I uh, I don't. Uh, to be honest, a, a day's test cricket is, is the best leading for a yeah, BBL true. game. So I'm f- fingers crossed, half hoping that um, that game can hold on for a bit more of tomorrow. But um, we're, it's shaping up pretty well on, on Friday night on the Gold Coast. That game's now a sellout as well, so... Um, we're pretty excited. Just early days of the tournament this year, Alistair. You know what happened down in Geelong with a match called off. There was a bit of weather around. You know, Glenn Maxwell was injured in the, in the first game. It was a, a bit of a slow start to the tournament, but uh, you must be wrapped about how it's gone overall since. Oh, it's been phenomenal. It's uh, it's it's fulfilled our all, all our hopes and I guess aspirations in terms of particularly crowds are up on average about thirty percent year on year, which is pretty enormous uh, from our perspective. But yeah, after a, a bit of a couple of false starts with some washouts and obviously some issues in Geelong, I think once we get to that Christmas period, it, um, it's gone from strength to strength and, and the games have been huge and, the, and the, uh, the, the contest has been pretty close. So we couldn't be happier. Alistair, thanks for making time this evening with us on Sports Day. Has there been any areas that you would uh, anticipate or like to have gone a bit better? Oh, there's always elements of every year, the competition, when you're looking at it as closely as we do, that you have some things that you, you, you wish you could do, that, that could have been better, whether you can control them or not. Um, who knows? Obviously, the weather has been has been a, a bit of a nightmare for us with, yeah. you know, the, the number of games we've had affected by rain. But again, obviously, obviously can't control that, I think. Um, other than that, things have largely gone our way. The, the, the BBL is, you know, there's a bit of chaos every night, and that's what we love about it. There's something happens and something to talk about the next day, and all those things have, have largely gone our way and, and the and the competition's been really competitive. So not, not too many things, always little bits and pieces, but largely we're pretty happy. Are you happy with the schedule and tightening things up and the way it sort of worked? There was a bit of a, a start and a stop around the test match before Christmas and crowds seemed to be down and a few people were a bit concerned, but uh, it certainly revved up and, you know, you, you covered that at the top. But uh, uh, have you been happy with the reduced number of games down to 40 overall for the home and away? Yeah, the reduction of the season back to 40 games is obviously a, the, the big element that we were hoping and, and looking at this season. And that, for all for all intents and purposes, has gone the way we'd hoped. It was 
Um, you know, it's been a bit of an interesting schedule this year with the way that the summer of Test cricket has played out. With the World Cup in November, obviously the five tests of the Australian summer have pushed back into more into the BBL season, which created particularly that day-night test in Perth was a, was a sort of a, I guess got in our way a little bit to to be to uh, to a degree, and since then it's really kicked on. So um, yeah, I think um, other than that, it's been the schedule's been tight, and and, uh, and the reduction to forty games has done its thing. What about in the future with the international contracts, uh, Alistair? We heard Nick Hockley speaking on SEN Test Cricket this morning. We've still got that issue where come the most important part of the season, the inter- a lot of international players are not here for the finals. Can, can you see that changing as early as next year potentially? Is there a way that it, it can change? Or with such a busy schedule and players being free to do what they want, it's, it's not something you really can control? Oh, there's an element of that that, that it's a little bit out of our control given the pretty dynamic nature of world cricket at the moment, particularly when you're talking about tournament cricket around the world. Uh, you know, there are always things we can do. Clubs, you know, uh, contract their players knowing their availability. Obviously, the strategy for most clubs was to have their overseas players here for the regular season and, and, and do everything they can to make the finals. And then effectively, so, you know, hopefully they can put a team, a strong team together once they get in there. So that's been a strategy that looks like most teams have, have taken on. I think we'll always look at our contracting models and the way our overseas player draft interacts with that and the amount of money we have in the salary cap and all those things play a role. I think importantly for us, the crowds being growing and, and coming back to the BBL is a really big factor for us. We know the players almost above the money. The, the next big thing they want is, is to play in front of big crowds. And, you know, that's a big selling point for us. And while we have a competitive salary cap these days, I think uh, we're really attractive to overseas players with the crowds and the, and the venues we play in. So, that's the mix of it. And then, and then it comes a bit down to scheduling and, and, and trying to avoid overlap as much as we can. We, we've had a reasonable, reasonable amount of success this year and we'll look at it again next year. Do you, do you sort of follow the, I guess, the individual fortunes of, of teams? Uh, a couple of the Melbourne teams have not been that successful over recent times. Do you sort of look and, and look to assist them in some way? Or, um, you know, where do you think they're, they're missing out on uh, getting some results? Because uh, the Melbourne sport-loving public are, are itchy for success. Yeah, from our, like any league, from our perspective, you want eight, every team, eight, in our, in our case, eight teams to be really competitive every year. And I think, uh, you know, all bar a couple were really in the mix till, till quite late in the season. So from, from that perspective, it was a pretty competitive year. Um, in terms of what we can do to help those clubs, ultimately, you know, they, the contracting rules and the list rules exist for every team and the salary cap's in place. We don't necessarily have mechanisms like, say, some of the footy codes where you have deeper equalisation mechanisms available. We don't have those, nor do we necessarily need them. I think the nature of T20 cricket means you can, you can turn your fortunes pretty quick and the Stars were only, you know, a win or so away from, from making the finals and, and people forget the Renegades finished third last year. So, it's been um, it's been a bit up and down for the Melbourne teams, but um, it can turn around pretty quick. Just looking ahead to next year, obviously we've got the finals to come, which is going to be uh, sensational for really good teams in the finals. We're talking to BBL General Manager Alistair Dobson. So as you say, it's a bit of a different test schedule this year because the World Cup went so late. We've got the five tests against India, which uh, with the New Year's test being the last. So looking ahead, that should mean logically there'll be more uh, representation from Australian players in the back end of the tournament this time next year? Yeah, that's certainly our hope. Obviously, it comes down to individual players and workloads. And, you know, a, a five-test series against India is going to be pretty gruelling for everyone. So we'll see how that plays out. But, yeah, from a from a scheduling perspective, there's a, there's a cleaner window than perhaps we've had in recent times. So we're already looking ahead to that, talking to our clubs and, and the players themselves about what, what needs to be true to be able to take advantage of that. I think we've seen little glimpses of that the last two summers where those Australian players have come back and had such an impact uh, on the competition. So, yeah, we're pretty excited about that next year as being uh, hopefully a bigger window for us and, and we're doing everything we can to capitalise on that. Alistair, is there any, um, I guess, future strategy towards expansion uh, beyond eight teams, maybe to some of the other areas in, in Canberra? I know there's games that get played there, but even up north, um, and then, look, some people have, have certainly on the SEN Airwaves have suggested what about some teams from New Zealand as well as part of that expansion. Is, is that something on a longer-term strategy for the BBL? Yeah, the BBL's been, since day one, has been pretty innovative and, and willing to adapt and evolve, and whether that's rules or scheduling or, 
or the way the competition is run. So I would never say never in terms of more teams. Right now, we've got eight teams that really are only 13 years old when you think about it in the context of our competition. So relatively new and young teams that are still establish, establishing themselves in their market. Our big priority is still to make sure those teams are growing their fan base. But that said, you've you always got one eye on the future and um, you know, I'd never say never on, on new teams or, or different looking competition. And that's something we'll, we'll look at again once we get through the next few days of, of some big finals. Who wins it, Alistair? Who's your tip? Oh, I heard your conversation before before I came on, and I, and I agree that it's um it's pretty it's pretty tight. The top four are probably the the four best teams from the comp right down to the strikers who've who've got the best player in the competition again in Matt Short. So any team that's playing against him is going to be having to do pretty well. But you know I, I think the Heat finish top. They're gonna they don't necessarily have to leave too far from home for for a week or so. They've uh, lost a couple of players, but it's great to have Matt Renshaw popping home, I guess, from, from Adelaide to play in those games. Oh, I'd be hard to go against the Heat. They've had they've had too good a season to uh, to let that slip from here. But, you know, the nature of our comp and T20 cricket in particular is it's anyone's chance, which is why it's so exciting. Should be a great final series. Alistair Heat and the Sixers get it underway tomorrow night. And then it's Perth and the Strikers on Saturday night. Uh, congratulations. It's been a great tournament so far. Let's hope it finishes in a blaze of glory. Thanks again for your time. Anytime. Thanks a lot. BBL General Manager Alistair Dobson, thanks to State Transport, your experts in freight proudly delivering goods Australia-wide since 1999. Just saw up on the telly uh, there, Bryce, that uh, Taron Thomas, it's been the big story in, in AFL in the last 24 hours, that he won't take part in North Melbourne training tomorrow night, as reported by Xander Maguire on Channel 9. Uh, the club is aiming to minimise distractions to the rest of the playing group as the AFL Integrity Unit investigation is ongoing. If you just joined us, he was meant to front the AFL Integrity Unit uh, this morning, but his legal representation wasn't quite ready. So that will happen next week. It came off the back after a fresh allegation, uh, a woman brought fresh allegations against Taron to the AFL integrity uh, unit uh, earlier this week. Of course, last year uh, he was investigated as well. A woman claimed he uh, verbally abused her and uh, threatened to distribute distribute an intimate image, which he uh, ended up paying a fine towards charity for. But, uh, it's a big watch and see now what North Melbourne do following these uh, latest allegations. If you've got any thoughts, Kangas fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I thought Phil Davis was interesting on breakfast this morning, saying one thing you can't be as a football club, and it's like any sporting club, I guess, is seduced or a slave to talent. Yep. There's a lot more to it than talent, and sometimes you've got to make the big calls. Yeah, and to this point, North really haven't pushed that big mm. call. It's probably been seen to be more supportive uh, about him, but uh, it, yeah, I'd, it'd just be good if he just played footy and was good at footy. Mm. Just do that and understand that these things are just such a distraction, not only just from being a good person. Yeah. They're miles away from being a good exactly. person. Exactly. Yeah. Don't worry about the footy side. It just, mm, it's going to be an interesting one for North uh, to deal with, but uh, you won't see him at training tomorrow and maybe there might be another period away from the club uh, for Taron Thomas while the AFL uh, investigated unit uh, looks at this uh, latest set of allegations. We're going to talk to Mark Woodford after the break. Gee, it's been a good day of tennis. That Max Purcell match today with Casper Rude was absolutely sensational. And uh, gee, we've had some Aussies play well, haven't we, Bryce? Yeah, but, it's uh, been just not so encouraging. Getting through, apart from obviously Alex Demonor and Storm Sanders, and a few more to come tonight. Uh, Tanasi Kokonakis and Isla Tomjanovic in action, but uh, some good performances, but just coming up short. Yeah, it's positive though. Mm. I, I feel good um, that, you know, and proud of them. Yeah. The fact that they've really taken on, well, right up to the uh, Alexi Popper and taking on the yeah. world number one and did a terrific job and was just a smidgen away. So look, it, it all bodes well for the future for Australian tennis. Or maybe that future is right here, right now. And that they are doing really well. Yeah, it is. We just need a couple just to emerge, don't we? You know, be regularly playing good matches around the top 30 and, and even higher because they've got the talent. Do you have a favourite? Of the Australian players? Yeah. Uh, who, who do you who do you really I like want watching to? Tanasi Kokonakis. Yep. But whether he ever gets there, I'm not too sure. No, BP's massive on Max Purcell. He reckons he's he can be a top 20 player. Well, I trust his eye. Yeah. He's number 35, so he's not too far away. Mark Woodford knows more than us by a long, long way. He will join us on the other side of the break. This is Sports Day for Kia. Major partner of the Australian Open and Maccas, the Aussie Angus Deluxe, is back at Maccas. Plenty more to come after this big night at the tennis, of course, for Tanasi Kokonakis and Isla Tom Janovic. There's been some interesting results 
in the women's today as well. But Mark Woodford coming up. Welcome back to Sports Day. Our news headlines tonight have been brought to you by the spirit of Tasmania. Unwind as you wander and set sail with the spirit of Tassie from $69. Conditions apply. And day two of Australia v. the West Indies has been our hot topic thanks to APCO. Skip the queue with the APCO app. If you're just joining us, Australia bowled out for 283, a lead of 95. But West Indies in all sorts of trouble at stumps on day two, six for 73. Josh Hazelwood with four wickets at one stage, three for none. So the Aussies still lead by 22 runs, just four wickets in hand. For the West Indies, uh, with the APCO app, pay for petrol for, from the comfort of your car or pre-order food and drinks. The other big talking point, of course, at this time of the year is the Australian Open. Been a sensational day's tennis and some big matches uh, to come tonight. We're lucky enough to be joined by 17-time Grand Slam doubles champion and, of course, SEN tennis expert Mark Woodford. Hello, Mark. Hey, how you doing? Very well. Uh, great to have you on board again. We're just talking uh, before the last break. There's been some really good performances uh, from the Australians the last 24 hours when you look at Alexi Popperin, Jordan Thompson uh, today as well uh, with Max Purcell, but just not quite good enough to get over the line. Exactly. In fact, I, uh, I just arrived on site in the last 30 minutes and uh, was just talking to a couple of people about the performances of the Australians. And we've certainly created uh, enough headlines, but uh, the headlines are not necessarily about the, our, our majority of our players, male players at least, winning. We're, we're losing some of these crucial matches that have gone to nail-biter four close sets or five sets. And, uh, you know, we've got Tanasi Kokonakis coming out very shortly. Uh, he, he'll be coming up against uh, Grigor Dimitrov. And, of course, our number one ranked player, Alex de Menard, is still in the draw. But, uh, we've, boy, we've, we've lost some tough, close matches along the way. Mark, you, you understand it more than anyone who's played the game. What's the difference between, uh, I guess, making those moments count and, well, what we find? They're close ones, but we're not quite getting over the line. Obviously, Alexi last night really pushing Novak Djokovic and had his moments to go two sets to one up, but just wasn't able to do it. What's the difference? Is it skill? Is it more mental? Well, unfortunately for Popperant, I mean, you look down the other end and he's playing against mm-hmm. someone who is, so, you know, I think we're tagging right now the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. given he is superiority in the, the Grand Slams and, and winning 10 times here. So it's it's just experience. Novak has been through these instances, those occasions many times, and uh, he hasn't always come out in front, but, you know, he now is like getting into that tiebreaker in the third set. He relishes those occasions, and, and maybe it's just a, a point here or there. Certainly, I mean, he played so close to the lines on one of those set points, um, and, and the match might have been very different had Alexi been able to, to clinch those one of those set points and go up two sets to one. But look, that, that for the other guys that have lost these close matches, Jordan Thompson is coming up against someone who's ranked inside the top 10. So they're not losing to players that are ranked below them. They're losing to players and pushing them to the absolute limit. So whilst we may be losing them in the first in the first week, I think it, it, it's something for our guys to really build upon. But they've, you know, it's those moments. And when you're playing at home, you really do try to channel the crowd, the home support, to try and get give you that extra edge. We've just come up a little short at this year's Australian Open so far. Will it make them better having experienced that or can it break them? Well, I certainly hope that it doesn't break them. And, and uh, that's where having the good good people and the appropriate uh, um, staff that are, that are working with them to perhaps mentor them through those moments and um, that, that it's, it, it is to build. Uh, this is a great start of the year, the month of January and the, the first Grand Slam, and, but you've got to be able to build upon it. And, and now for a majority of our players, they, they will be moving away and playing overseas and, and trying to, uh, well, when, when that occasion arrives again, to maybe learn from it. Uh, I always have believed when you win, you win. When you lose, you learn. And it's up to these guys now to learn from uh, these close defeats that they've experienced so far. So, Mark, Alex Demonor is our clear number one, top 10 player in the world now. We've got another eight yeah. Australian men, though, in the top 100, which is which is really good numbers. But which one to you do you think can make that 
jump up towards you know the top twenty in the world? Is it a Purcell is thirty five at the moment? Is it Popper and yep. is, it, is it a Thompson? Who, who who do you have the most faith in? Look, I, I think you've made a, a, a valid point there. We, we, Australian tennis is very strong on the men's side at the moment with the with the amount of guys that that are in the top one hundred. We haven't had that. Um, probably, gosh, since maybe even I was playing, and that's, you know, 25-plus years. So, you know, it's it's a healthy contingent right now, led by um, Demon himself, and uh, I, I think these experiences for him, you know, he, he seems very much a team um, person. You know, he uh, uh, loves playing, not just at home, but with those opportunities where he's playing the United Cup for Australia in the Davis Cup as well, and uh, you know, the support throughout the year. But I, I'm... I'm super excited for someone like Max Purcell, who probably hasn't, you know, had a lot of attention provided uh, or or help along the way, um, but he's stuck with it. I just love the way he goes about his tennis, and it's it's playing like a, and I and I'm loath to say an older way, but Mm. for me it is an Australian way. It's a serve volley, Mark. This uh, volley channeling Pat Cash, channeling Pat Rafter, <laughs> and hopefully he's channeling some of the Woodies uh, as well. But he he's very adept up at net. But the same applies with the this attitude. I'm, I'm loving the excitement that Rinky Hijikata brings to the court um, each time, and he is uh, you know just building. He's, he's still got a, a bit to learn along the way. I mean, look, you never stop learning, uh, even in your uh, in your last year of playing. But I, I think this is a really uh, uh, exciting time for, for men's tennis here in Australia. So, Mark, uh, in terms of the women, and what, who's catching your eye there? Because there have been some upsets that have gone on today. French youngster Clara Burrell beating world number five Jessica Pagula in straight yep. sets. So there has been uh-huh. some upsets, and, well, the first week can bring those. Who, who's caught your eye that you maybe um, beyond the obvious that's uh, <laughs> in order to uh, do well in that second week? Uh, well, I, I yes, uh, another surprise packet, uh, package or, or, or defeat probably was Angeboer getting yeah. soundly beaten yesterday. Indeed. So, um, yet there, there is um, the depth in women's tennis is there, but probably one match that I think is, is offering us uh, maybe watch and that's later tonight. And uh, not because Isla Tomlanovic is Australian, but this potential um, dust-up with uh, Yelena Ostapenko. I mean, she is so quirky, Ostapenko. And uh, Isla, well, she's a delight. Uh, she's going to have the, the crowd support. But there's the attention um, that, that is uh, uh, surrounding this match about, you know, the, the, the little uh, tussle that they've had in, in past matches. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, and more importantly for Isla, an opportunity. If she can sneak through this match against Ostapenko, then I think she's one that confidence can build because she has a devastating game when she is uh, feeling very confident. Speaking to SEN tennis expert Mark Woodford, what about Igas Fiontech, Mark? Uh, last year, you know, failed to to play really well here. She spoke about, you know, sort of the expectations getting the better of her, and she was in all sorts today. Four two down in the third set against Danielle Collins. Is is she the one to beat for you on the women's side, or do you think a couple of the other girls, you know, Sabalenka, Rabakina, etc., are going a little bit better than her at the moment? Well, the big game of uh, the, the two that you just mentioned, and uh, I was trying to stay away from the obvious. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, Schwantek, yeah, I think is, is is certainly the the, the one that uh, they're they're trying to catch. But the big games of of Sabalenka and Rabakina, I, I think you, you know they, they send uh, tremors to whoever they're playing round by round, and uh, both are very confident players um, when their game is in sync and. You know, the, the the longer that they stay in the tournament, and once they arrive into that second week, um, I think it shows. Uh, you know, whoever's in the last four is obviously seeing the ball well, but they do have a game that can bother Schwantek. She just doesn't maybe have that same firepower, the same weaponry, um, because those both of those uh, uh, gals that we just mentioned. I mean, they've got plenty of height. And, and multiple weapons. So Schwantek's going to have to try and find some form. Um, great job today against the feisty Danielle Collins, and uh, she's going to be much better for it.
And Mark, uh, there's no doubt you'd have your eye cast across the the doubles as well. What what what, what have you seen there? Obviously, there's a number of Australian pairings that uh, have there's mixed uh, results in terms of the Aussies there. But uh, yep. what what are you seeing there as a as a quick sum up? Well, I I'm, first of all, I'm I'm still disappointed with the turnout of of the doubles draw. Um, you know, I think there's you know, this carousel of, of changing partners has occurred again, a new season, and there are different partnerships that are, that are evolving. And uh, for me, if, look, if we can repeat over the last two years, we had the special K's winning two years ago. Last year was Kubler and Hitchikata. You know, maybe this year, is it, is it Luke Saville and Alex Bolt, two South Australians uh, that I'd love to see get a few matches under their belt? But uh, it, it is just a very different um, draw in the men's doubles, I feel. What about the situation with Alexander Zverev, Mark? He won today. He was pushed to the limit by Lucas Klein. He got up 10-7 in the fifth set tie break. But he goes to the press conference after the only question he gets in English is about uh, whether he should be playing at the moment because he's facing court in May over domestic violence charges. There's other questions about should he be on the players' cancel or not. Are you uncomfortable at all that he that he is playing ahead of this court case? Look, no, no, I'm not uncomfortable that he that he is playing. Um, I, I, probably the one for me a little edgy is the fact that he's uh, um, been promoted or, or, or um, voted on to the player council. Um, I, I just, you know, I don't mind him, you know, being out here and playing. And if there is, uh, you know, a trial that's going on, um, you know, furthermore in, in Germany, um, uh, you, you know, and whatever, you know, if they decide that there isn't any penalty and uh, then then that is it. So I, I just think today probably laboured, um, shouldered with, you know, the, the accusations and the suggestions and the conjecture, um, you, you know, having... Uh, got through that first round and and I you know I think this you know he is it's it's wearing heavy on Zverev and uh, being able to just squeeze through in a in a tiebreaker in the fifth set um it, it just can't be easy going for uh, Zverev right now and just finally uh tonight you briefly mentioned it before but Grigor Dimitrov versus Tanasi Kokonakis he's he's back in town Grigor Dimitrov he's uh, he's back to Almost his best, winning up in Brisbane uh, a couple of weeks ago as well to break a long title drought. Uh, can you see Tanasi pushing him? Do you give him a chance? Oh, look, uh, and I, I'm, I'm already down here in the bunker in preparation when we do come on air and we, we are going to be covering uh, Dimitrov Kokonakis and uh, just seeing them arrive uh, through the, the golf cart buggy to the court and they're getting ready. Uh, Tanasi looks you know, fairly relaxed. He was looking at his phone as he arrived. Dimitrov just had a bit more of a game face on already. So I think it shows that Dimitrov is fully cognizant of the, the, the ability of Tanasi. I think more importantly for Tanasi is how is he physically traveling right now? How is the, the powers of recovery? He hasn't played a whole lot of tennis over the summer, unfortunately losing first round in Brisbane and Adelaide. And of course, Dimitrov riding on a confidence high of winning his first title since 2017 in Brisbane. So a bit of a contrast, but without a doubt, the South Australian has the game. He's got to be able to just get himself physically into the match, not panic if he goes down a set, wait for that body to hopefully find the the, the stride and the game and go from there and utilise the crowd support as well. That's two South Australian references, Mark. You're just sneaking them in there. You're just sneaking them in there, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, if I can get lefty and red-headed, I'll be, I'll be perfect, right? <laughs> oh, the South Australian Tanasi Kokonak. Here I thought he was just representing Australia at the Australian Open there, Bryce, but clearly it's a state-based competition. <laughs> Go the Crow Eaters. Yes, and of course the tournament is in Victoria. Uh, Mark, uh, thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure to catch up. Guys, great talking to you as always. Take care. Mark Woodford, you can hear him on the coverage uh, coming up that match between Tanasi Kokonakis and Grigor Dimitrov. Um, and uh, Carlos Alcaraz had a bit of a battle uh, today. Still going. Two sets to one up. Uh, it's on serve in the third set against Lucas Sanigo from Italy, who took the second set. So Alcaraz won the first 6-4. Sanigo in a tie break in the second. 6-3 to Alcaraz in the third. And 3-2 to Sanigo. Uh, in the fourth set, it just shows that the, right at the moment, the depth in both sides. Like I think women's tennis was a bit shallow there for a while, but right now there's 
You got sixteen year olds winning. What happened to um, Pagula today? It's Jules, it's I reckon tough. it's more exciting it's, uh, than ever. It's great. I think you're right. And there's fresh names, there's yep. fresh players to look for and uh, and be open-minded to what the result's going to be. I, th- I think tennis is in a really good position. This is one of the best Opens I reckon there has been for a long time. And any uh, advice for the crowd? If an Australian is playing Novak Djokovic, don't get under Novak's skin. It doesn't help. <laughs> no. It didn't help Popperin. No, it did not. Goodness me. No. Goodness me. Should be another great night uh, at the tennis. Uh, plenty more coming up on Sports Day for Kia. The Epic has arrived in the all-electric Kia EV9 and Maccas. Get the McRib and the new McRib Deluxe now at Maccas. Uh, More Sports Day coming up uh, after this. Just a reminder, if you're just catching up uh, with the cricket, Josh Hazelwood, unbelievable this afternoon with four wickets at Stumps. The West Indies, six for 73, still trailing the Aussies by 22. Welcome back to Sports Day. Julian DeStoop and Bryce McGain with you. It's been a big show so far. There's always plenty going on in the world of trots. Always racing at the trots.com.au and there's plenty to t- talk about. Trots Talk with Bronte Newenberg, who joins us this evening. Hello, Bronte. Good afternoon. How are you guys going? Very well. Hope you're well as well. Uh, what are we looking ahead to this weekend in terms of the harness racing? This is a very exciting uh, country cup Saturday night, we have the Ballarat Pacing Cup and we also have a very interesting race, which is the Alderbaran Park, the Night Pistol. So it's going to be a very, very competitive race with some of the best horses in Australasia competing. Bronte, do you have a tip for the Ballarat Cup? <laughs> well, I do like a horse at value and that's Mac Dan. He's won quite a few features when he, the attention has not been on him and in this race, all the attention is on Catch a Wave and Beyond Delight and a few other horses. And I've always missed out on Mac Dan when that happens. So I think at value each way, Mac Dan is good odds in that race. Tell us about the Night Pistol. It's an interesting name for a race. Do you know where the, the race for the the name for the race comes from? I believe that it's named after a horse from well before my time, but uh, <laughs> it's a it's a featured trot. It's a fifty thousand dollar race, and we actually have. Just Believe in the Race, who is Australasia's best trotter. However, there's also another trotter in the race called Call Me the Breeze, who's won close to $2 million in, Fran- uh, in French, France. It's a French trotter, and it has, um, it's in first up in Australia in this race. So you could say it's a little bit of a international contest. So it's going to be an incredibly interesting race. Bronte, is that common for paces to come from uh, other countries to Australia? Uh, are they attracted by the prize money or is it the prize money better in other countries? Um, I would say that it depends on the country. There's a lot of horses that get imported from New Zealand, but the French and Italian trotters coming to Australia is incredibly rare. You'll probably only see one or two max a year. Um, they come here purely out of passion. There is a few people out there, Yabby Dam Farms and Anton Galino, who are incredibly passionate about building the breed and building the sport. And they just bring the horses over for the love of the sport. So the Americans don't often come here and neither do the French, but a lot of Australian horses are bought out of Australia and go to America. Uh, it's good to see. You've got a quick tip for us for the night pistol. I think we have to stick with Just Believe. He seems to be a little bit unbeatable. He was unbeatable in the Inter-Dominion series this year and last year. So he does have an awful draw in six, but he just seems to be a little bit unstoppable at the moment. Magnificent. Uh, Bronte, thanks for your time. There's some interesting racing going on on the weekend. Uh, enjoy. Thank you. Trots Talk with Bronte Newenberg. Always racing at thetrots.com.au. The Trots, watch it, live it, love it. This is Sports Day for Kia, major partner of the Australian Open and Maccas. The Aussie Angus Deluxe is back at Macca's. Plenty more to come on Sports Day after this. You're listening to Sports Day. Welcome back to Sports Day. Julian DeStoop and Bryce McGain with you. We're here thanks to Nutrien Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Earlier today on SEN Test Cricket alongside Dwayne Russell and Adam White, the boys spoke to the boss of Cricket Australia, Nick Hockley. Well, he did wander across the ground pretty much with me, but not with me today. I saw him walking across the footbridge just on his own, just minding his own business. I nearly, because I was about eight metres behind him, went up and said, hey, Nick, you're about to join us a little bit later on. But I thought I'd leave him in his own space because he looked like he was just enjoying 
the glory of being you here, just Nick. Catch him. You didn't have any problem. friends. You're just wandering across the footbridge on your own. I just take you in the atmosphere, and wasn't it great? You should have said hello. Good no, oh, you were just in your own space. And sometimes it's just nice to see a man enjoying his world. You look yeah. like you. Well, why wouldn't you? The crowd was sensational yesterday. Oh, fantastic, brilliant. Twenty-six thousand more than uh, more than last year. Um, so. Yeah, it's just a, a spectacular place to watch watch cricket. Um, lots of out-of-towners as well, all having a great time. So, And and cricket's flying right now. The ratings have been enormous. You must be pretty happy with the way it's all unfolded. Yeah, really thrilled with this summer. I mean, I thought the Pakistan series was, was fantastic, uh, really competitive. Uh, the Big Bash has been great. I think the decision to uh, slightly tighten it from uh, 56 regular home games to 40... Uh, has has been great. We've had a few few uh, games affected by rain, but uh, it's been been wonderful. And I think I was at the I was at the Big Bash in in Sydney, uh, the Sid last Sydney Smash, uh, forty two thousand. Uh, it was absolutely su- superb. And I think a number of the clubs have, have set set attendance records. So uh, there's a really good vibe around the place, and uh, you know, a couple of massive summers coming up with India and and the Ashes. So lot, lots to Lots to celebrate, lots to be thankful for, and lots to look forward to. There were concerns coming into this summer because India wasn't coming, or England wasn't coming, and it was Pakistan and the West Indies, and the BBL had had some challenges. But as Dwayne said, do you know why? I just think there's been some fantastic cricket, and I just think there's amazing passion uh, for the game in in Australia. And uh, you know, I think both our women's team, who won both, well, they. They uh, they missed out on the on the Test series, but won both those series. Uh, you know, I think this team has played some fantastic cricket. I think Pakistan really really turned up, and you know I think we've also everybody's had a, a couple of difficult years, um, and it just shows that you know, sport, but also cricket. You know, bringing families together and you know, having a great great night out. I mean, the beauty about cricket is you can you can watch the sport and you can also sit and chat and catch up, and uh, it's just a great way to bring everyone together. So the question I've got for you is, we're here at Adelaide and it isn't a day-night game. It is, uh, it is a day game, which is different to what we've had in previous years. My first question is, why is this a day game and not a day-night game compared to Brisbane? That's my first question. Yeah, sure. So this season, the, che- the, we, the scheduling has been really super complicated and that's because of the World Cup. Uh, everything's pushed a little bit, a bit later. So we've had to play test matches throughout the duration of the Big Bash. So the reason this is a day game is so that we can play the Big Bash finals uh, in, in the evening and then the first day of the fifth test at, at the Gabba is the day after the Big Bash finals. So, you know, the, the beauty is that uh, you know, cricket's on 12 hours a day and there's you know, some great cricket on every, every evening and, um, you know, that's what we've sat down. We've worked with both our broadcast partners uh, and, um, you know, I think that the way that the, the interplay between the Test Series and the Big Bash is, yeah, has just been great. And then the second question is, moving forward, will Adelaide go back to that early December spot and back to day-night Test cricket moving forward? So that's something that we're working through at the moment, right across the country. And so we've got a good level of certainty over our schedule for the next seven years. And what we're working to do is to give everybody certainty about what they're getting over that whole time so that we can all plan so that you know people travelling from you know whether it's from England, India, they you know they can also also plan. Um, so we're working to make some announcements in the not too distant future. Uh, the next two summers do revert back to uh, five tests against India and then against England, with the the last test match being the New Year's test. So there will be three test matches. Uh, ahead of the Boxing Day test. Sounds pretty promising, Dwayne. So the Big Bash will be condensed even further because you want all the good players to stay here and play the entirety of the Big Bash. You don't want them leaving for other competitions. Other competitions are throwing a lot of money at their T20 players to try and get them to come to theirs, and we're facing that again with this summer here. So you'll condense it a bit more again? or I think we're pretty well set on it. So I think the... You know, the timing for the Big Bash is really the school holidays. Yep. And that's because it's just such a great night out mm. for families. My girls are, are 8 and 12, and, you know, we just have the best time go- going along in the evening. So, you know, I think when it is, is, is pretty well set. Probably the difference next year is, as I said, the New Year's test will be the last international cricket on home soil. So, you know, we've worked really hard to 
uh, get as many of our test stars playing this mm. year. You've seen we've just released Matt Renshaw from the squad to go back and play uh, play for the Heat in the finals. Um, and so hopefully we'll get a bit more, even more availability over the next couple of years from our test players into the Big Bash. Other countries still trying to steal your, your ground, though? Steal your players? Well, it your, is. I mean, steal it's, your timing? Oh, look, I mean, that's the thing about cricket. There's more money, more playing opportunities. There's more leagues popping up. I mean... This year um, is a really, I think, good example of how we've worked collaboratively with the other other boards. Mm. So what, what happened this year is that the ILT20, which is the competition in the UAE, initially they wanted to start on the 13th of Jan, which would have been a direct clash, but we work with them. They've moved that back to the 19th. So scheduling is always going to be, mm. it's, gonna, it's really, really complicated. But, you know, I think that we're really set on that summer holiday period for Big Bash going forward. Um, and I think the fact that the players and the agents all have that certainty uh, you know, means that I think hopefully we'll maximise the player availability going forward. Can I ask you on that one? Because I think for the BBL to be a proper competition, we can't have a situation where some of the gun players leave for the finals. And, and I, even just listening to Laurie Evans the other night on the player mic, he, you could tell he didn't want to leave, but he was almost, he's compelled to just through circumstances. How is it possible that we can... I don't know, use your negotiating powers or whatever it is to be in a situation where we can have clear air. We're not going to have that with South Africa because we share summers, but at least for that one in UAE where the, the players that are playing the home and away season play the finals as yeah. well. Look, I do think we need to really work together. I think in our last player deal and through the player draft, we've upped our investment in yep. top players for, for the Big Bash Leagues, and that's women and men. Uh, look, I think the... With certainty around scheduling, a bit more certainty around scheduling, I think the optimal contract for an overseas player coming is that they basically commit to the big bash and then um, they commit to playing all the way through the finals and they then move on when their team is either you know, finished, not qualified or has been, yes. been knocked out of, out of the competition. Uh, that is our, that's our hope. That's the wish. Those are the discussions that we'll, uh, we'll have going forward but I do think you know this year um, you know I know Laurie Evans was kind of disappointed it's great that he's disappointed yeah. it shows that he loves the Big Bash so much but the, the players availability was known right at the outset um, so uh, and that's just something that we've got to work we've, we've got to work with so is it more putting pressure on the players as you said to stay the entirety or is it more cricket boards and cricket authorities getting in a room and saying can we all have a situation here where we all have an equal piece of the pie yeah. is, that, well, that, is that, that possible or is well, that unrealistic that's what we've done this year you know the ILT20 moved back a week Could it, go, it needs to go another week well I mean those are discussions <laughs> that we'll have after the season and uh, you know it does need everyone to work together yeah. it needs the players the boards uh, the leagues all to, to all, all work together um, and, and the main thing is giving people certainty up front so you know we, we, knew, we know very well what the international player availability was the clubs knew well before the draft you know that's going to inform their decision making but one thing that is very very clear is that overseas players they love playing uh, in Australia it's such a high quality competition you know, I think particularly leading into a, a T20 World Cup um, there's now going to be a, a real focus on, on T20 you've seen that now uh, Mitch Starker's example has sat out of the IPL but is going to play this year which will be a great preparation and lead in uh, for, a, for a T20 World Cup in the US and the West Indies. How long is your long term planning when it comes to test cricket and the formats around the world and how many times test cricket will continue to be played by various countries because we don't want the slow death of test cricket to creep up on us? Yeah, so I think it's been on a, a four, four year and eight year cycles to date but I think the discussion now um, with the World Test Championship being set. Every game counts. And uh, the conversations that we're picking up around the ICC are now looking beyond the next four-year cycle to think, you know, what does test cricket look like in, in 10, 20, 20, 30 years? So, uh, you know, that's a, a discussion. It's a discussion that's being had mm. more broadly around the place. And you know, what I've taken Who's from... Who's got the most weight at the table there? That's a loaded question. But when it comes to deciding, no, we're not going to do this because that's where the money is or... Yes, we are going to do this because that's the tradition of the game. It started with test cricket. We always have to look after that base product. Yeah, I think it's got to be a collective. It's got to be a collective discussion. And for me, it's all about context. And, uh, you know, I know that um, yeah, every single one of these games, 
for the World, World Test Championship is, means a lot to everyone. I mean, I thought the yeah the debutants yesterday for the West Indies it was just it was just so refreshing mm. just to see that love for the Test cricket. I thought that uh, the, the lad Shamar Jones, I thought his post-match interview was just just brilliant because you could see the love yeah. uh, for the for the long form of the game and what it meant what it meant to him. So uh, the the players the players love Test cricket. It is. It is really about um, it's about finding a balance because Test cricket's thriving here, yeah. absolutely thriving, um, and we've just got to we've got to make sure that we're protecting it um, where there's a bit more competing and economic pressures. Is it helpful that we get the West Indies on the big stage here in Australia? We start to hear the stories, um, see the, the young players coming through. That then again, when you're having those discussions with all the countries about trying to find this solution to making sure we're not losing them to short form cricket, that Here's an example of, of what's possible into the future. Totally. I mean, I, I firmly believe that ultimately it's going to be the fans that, that decide. And there's a rusted on you know, fan base for, for Test cricket. At the, at the SCG for the, for the Pink Test, the thing that was really notable for me was just the number of kids coming in to watch Test cricket. So I'm a firm believer that you know, T20 and getting people in, then it does translate to people coming and following uh, Test cricket. So, you know, yesterday... Um, you know, this West Indies team. I remember the first test match it, um, that I can really remember going to with my dad was that 84, uh, 84 series in, in the UK. Um, you know, Malcolm Marshall uh, and, and co just absolutely steaming in. And I do think that you know, we found a superstar here and those stories, that's really important for the kids. They're going to now be looking up, you know, looking up this team, wanting to hear a bit more about their backstory and that's, that's all part of it. So, yeah, absolutely um, playing here uh, and on the biggest stage is really, really important. And then it's equally really important uh, us uh, making sure that we're fulfilling our touring commitments because the tour in Pakistan, uh, you know, just to see that country, 220 million people, I mean, yeah. was just... And the way that lit up the country when we toured there a couple of years ago was, was amazing. I just want to go back to the BBL for a second um, because we obviously are nearly at finals. In fact, we are at finals now. Um, why has it been so successful? I mean, obviously it's a shortened season somewhat, but why do you think we're seeing these massive crowds? Why do you think we're seeing the TV ratings grow significantly this year? Well, firstly, I think it's always been a brilliant experience uh, for families. I think the quality of the cricket is incredible. And then I do think that we've, you know, we sat down about 18 months ago, two years ago, and said, you know, coming out of COVID and, you know, with our with all our partners and say, look, you know, what's the potential for this tournament? Uh, and we saw very much in the early days of the Big Bash, well, the potential, and it's, you know, it's, if any, it's that plus, plus, plus. So I think it's been a really incredible concerted effort between our partners, the clubs, the venues. Uh, and we you know, just to you know, do a whole range of, of, of new things, we've tried to bring back loads more entertainment. I thought that, you know, Rocketman coming back to, to the Gabba, yeah, I thought that the, the whole presentation around kind of Finchie's farewell, played in every Big Bash league uh, so far, and the retiring of the shirt, you know, I thought, and the turnout at, at, at Marvel, notwithstanding the Renegades haven't make, made it through, I thought that was, was fantastic. Uh, but that doesn't happen by accident. There's a lot of work that goes in behind the scenes. So I think it's just been everyone pulling in the same direction. Um, and it's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of belief. Um, there's a lot of belief in it as a, as a concept. And the big, the big focus now is... You know, we've seen with the stadium round with the WBBL, but how can we get the, make sure the WBBL and the BBL are on uh, really on equal footing? And I think we've got a really, uh, really exciting couple of years ahead. Uh, and the scheduling is going to be even better next year um, you know, because we haven't had the test matches all the way through January. That was Cricket Australia CEO Nick Hockley with Adam White and Dwayne Russell. Plenty going on in the world of cricket. Plenty going on in the world of sport, uh, the tennis. Uh, plenty of AFL news as well. So it's time for a sports update. Now on Sports Day, a sports update for Tyre Power, Australia's biggest independent tyre retailer. Been some cracking matches in the Australian Open in the last 24 hours, hasn't there, Bryce? And you last bet. night, uh, Novak Djokovic again looked vulnerable. And oh, if Alexi Popperin could have grabbed that third set, who knows? Well, he was pressing and pressing. And uh, it just goes to show just in those big moments, the mental capacity. Yeah. It's not that Popperin isn't uh, nearly equal in terms of skill. He's got He's the skill. Yeah. But then it's just 
the composure in those big moments, and uh, that's what really um, broke through in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it just wins those big points, doesn't he, Novak Djokovic? So he got through last night. Uh, Jordan Thompson had a really good battle with last year's finalist, Stefano Sitsipas. He went down in four sets, but a great match today. Unfortunately, Max Purcell just didn't quite get there against the world number 11, Casper Rudy. Lost in five sets. So he lost the first set, 6-3. Bounced back, won the second set in a tiebreaker. Lost the third set, 6-3. Bounced back in the fourth, won that 6-3. Took it to a tiebreak in the last set, but went down 10-7. So Purcell actually beat Casper Rude the last time they played together. They played a lot of juniors against each other, so they know each other really well. And uh, not surprisingly, uh, the Norwegian was very relieved when he spoke to Ian Cohen uh, courtside after the match. Casper, congratulations. The best part of four hours of amazing tennis here at Margaret Court Arena. What are your emotions? Yeah, uh, thanks, mate. <laughs> That's not bad by you. Yeah, good day, mate. Um, no, I mean... What can I say? I think it was an incredible match, honestly. It could have gone both ways. Max is such a tricky and good player. He's taken his level, or taking his tennis to a new level the past years, and it's been fun to watch. I grew up playing juniors with him, so I know him very well, and um, I, I wish him the best of success in the year to come, because if he keeps playing like this, I think he will have uh, good chances to do good results this year. What do you think of his Aussie accent there, That, that was pretty good. That wasn't bad. But as I said, the tennis crowd's all... Really be pleased with whatever oh. he, he said. And have a go at. We've covered this yesterday, <laughs> yes. but it's going to keep going every day. Oh, They'll yeah. laugh at anything. They will. If you're a rookie uh, comedian and doing stand up, get a tennis crowd. It'll so give you a lot of confidence in your career right at the very start. So for 50 weeks of the year, do the tennis crowd they live a miserable life or something? I don't this know. is their two weeks to shine and actually just enjoy themselves. It it was good. Look. The, it was it was a terrific match. It and, was. Um, look, as he said, Max has taken his game to another level, and uh, and that's you know that's high praise from someone who's you know pushing top ten and has yeah. been in the top ten. Yeah. And um, you know we, we should be really proud of all our Australians. Unfortunately, we lost two of them last night and another one today, but they've done really well. That the standard of the tennis they're playing. There's yeah. fresh names. There's fresh faces now. Um, you know they have been around for a little bit. We get that. But um, they're, yeah, they're pushing. They are, and that's really exciting for Australian tennis. Yeah, I'm number, really proud of them all. Yeah, number 35 in the world now, Max Purcell. I know Brett Phillips is a big fan of him. He thinks he's the one of this sort of next generation that have been around the mark that can make the next step, and he certainly showed that today. Another great match as well, uh, Alexander Zverev, the number six seed, was on the brink of elimination as well against unseeded Slovakian Lucas Klein. Uh, he got through exactly like Kasparu, 10-7. Uh, in the tiebreak uh, in the fifth set. And the, the most notable women's match today, world number one, Iga Sviantec, uh defeated American Daniel Collins. So uh, finalist a couple of years ago, lost to Ash Barty. She lost in three sets today, 6-4, 3-6, 6-4. And uh, this is her final year on tour. So that is it in terms of Australian Open appearances uh, for Danielle Collins. Now to the footy, and a uh, big story broke just after we went off air last night, that Taron Thomas from the Kangaroos under investigation by the AFL's Integrity Unit following a new allegation of inappropriate behaviour. The 23-year-old was summoned to the AFL to be interviewed today. However, Thomas's legal representatives were not available and instead he will appear early next week. So last year, a woman claimed he verbally abused her and he also had to go to court for threatening to distribute and... Uh, intimate image. He was ended up uh, paid some uh, paid a fine to a charity for that one, but uh, we don't know the situation. But um, just who, keeps, know, who knows what the future up. is for Taryn? Yeah, it's a real shame. Mm. Yeah, it is a shame. Forget that and let your footy do the talking. Oh, just yeah, just go and enjoy being a great footballer. It's an interesting one because I know Kane's been. He was big last year on the fact he didn't think North Melbourne were hard enough. On Taron Thompson, you've got this situation in the tennis as well with Alexander Zverev. So he's actually been charged with domestic violence. He's due to face court on May 31 this year. The, the claim was made by his ex-girlfriend uh, from an incident in 2020. He went to court last year, was fined 750000 Australian, but contested that. And that's why it's going to trial. It's, it's a tricky area, this one. But should someone be playing professional sport if they're facing domestic violence charges. Should they be stood down until those that court date has is heard? It, look, it's a tricky question, isn't it? Um, I, 
Certainly one perspective, and I'm sure that the, the, the tennis authorities will be covering off the fact that he's innocent until proven guilty. Mm. He has been found guilty and then paid, uh, as you said. Yep. Uh, there has been a fine, and, and, and it's a contested case now, but uh, he has been allowed to continue playing on the tennis tour. Uh, so it, it is a really tricky one. I, I would suggest in Australian sport um, – under the guise of, you know, if it's Cricket Australia, if it's yeah. uh, AFL, NRL, they would stand down the player. Mm. Well, it might be leg do. Uh, if it's a, a charge that can result in, I think it's 10 plus years in jail, you were, you were stood down. And we've seen a few cases like that one. So after his first round match uh, the other night, Alexander Zverev was questioned about playing and also whether he should be on the Players' Council. Uh, so basically like the Players' Association, uh, which he currently is a member of. Ask about Why would it not be? There isn't. There isn't. No. Huh? Yeah, I think. So. I mean, I think so. Nobody has said anything to me, so I don't have a reason not to believe that. Like who? Journalists are saying that. Some who are actually interested more in a story to, to write about and more about the clicks than the actual truth. Interesting because last night someone tweeted that they'd much rather watch Alexander Zverev play than win play tennis. And Daria Katsakina, one of the players on the, on the WTA tour, said, uh, if you're a female, then I would advise you to make, do some research about this guy. You want to watch and think again. So maybe there is some players on the women's side that are a bit uncomfortable that he's still playing. So yeah, and, and and probably just not in a position that they want to go and challenge it. To be mm. perfectly honest, but mm. have a strong feeling underneath, and uh, uh, as as evidenced by uh, you know putting that on social media. Mm. Another interesting story, uh, Josh Giddy. Uh, so there'll be no. The police investigation is over into allegations he had a relationship with an underage. Girl, uh, the statement came out from the police. There was no collaborative evidence, uh, so therefore that case is now done to the footy. A uh, little bit uh, of news at Geelong. Uh, Paddy Dangerfield remains captain next year. Tom oh. Stewart will be the vice captain. So we were talking no yesterday. There. Yeah, we were talking yesterday that any news that comes out is generally about injury. And as soon as you said Paddy Dangerfield, I bet there was a lot of Geelong supporters who went, oh, no, <laughs> you are kidding me. But it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. And let's quickly preview this weekend's WNBL action. Thanks to TAC, drive safely for everyone. A message from the TAC. It's the Flames v Capitals tomorrow at 7 p.m. The Fire v the Lightning Saturday, 7.30 p.m. The Lynx play the Spirit on Saturday at 9.30 p.m. And the local derby between the Boomers and the South Side Flyers on Sunday at 3 p.m. Speeding drivers can face large fines. Drive safely for everyone. A message from the TAC. This is Sports Day for Kia, major partner of the Australian Open and Maccas. Aussie Angus Deluxe is back at Maccas. Give us a call on the Harcourt's open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourt's more sports day right after this.